In 2010, I was studying for the priesthood for the Diocese of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And in that year, in June and July and August, I was stationed at the parish of St. Francis Xavier. It's about an hour from my home. St. Francis Xavier is in the heart of historic Gettysburg. Now, when you go into that church, it's a beautiful colonial-style church, beautiful sanctuary, high altar, amazing floors, stained glass windows everywhere, beautiful place to pray and worship in. But if you had walked into that church in July of 1863, you wouldn't recognize it. That's because every square foot from the back of the church into the sanctuary, into the choir loft, was covered with wounded soldiers. They laid them on the pews. They laid them in between the pews. They laid them on the floor beneath the pews. And when you read some of the eyewitness accounts of what that was like, the sights, the sounds, the smells of all of these soldiers from the American Civil War being crammed into St. Francis Xavier, it makes the hair on your neck stand up. It's a terrible place of suffering. This church turned into a place of great pain. But at the same time, there was divine grace pouring into that place. Up and down the aisles, hour after hour, went the Sisters of Charity. This was the religious order that Elizabeth Ann Seton, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, founded in Maryland. They were young Catholic Americans. They were clothed in religious habits. They wore the traditional white wimple. Looks kind of like a sailboat on your head, something that nuns used to wear sometimes in the religious order. And, you know, I think when they were entering into religious life, they probably never thought that years in the future, their parish will be turned into a field hospital overnight. For days, the sisters nursed and tended the wounded, the maimed, and the dying. And here's the thing. Some of those soldiers were in blue uniforms, and some of those soldiers were in gray uniforms. Some were fighting for the Union, some for the Confederacy. Some believed that God created all men equal. And some believe that having white skin made you superior to those who didn't have it. And they were side by side in the pews. The sisters cared for them all. Those brides of Christ in those days in July of 1863 knew that at that moment, their Savior was preaching to them the Sermon on the Mount. He was preaching to them, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Those sisters would have heard and read the Sermon on the Mount countless times throughout their lives. And I'm sure they were challenged by the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus challenge us today. Love my neighbor and hate my enemy? Okay, I can get behind that. 
Many Jewish rabbis would have commented on the various parameters and boundaries of love and hate, how far they go and who my neighbor is. But Jesus doesn't simply comment on the law like one of the rabbis. He actually sets himself up as equal to the law. He actually makes himself out to be the law in person. You have heard it said, but I say to you. And Jesus goes farther. Jesus doesn't simply recommend that we love our enemies and pray for those who are set against us. He says that we must do this so that you may become children of your heavenly Father. So that you may become children of your heavenly Father. Later in the scriptures, Jesus says, if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your transgressions. This teaching to not respond to evil with evil and even to love our enemies in no way makes God out to be unjust. And it in no way takes away the responsibility to protect the innocent and the vulnerable. Let's be clear about that. But Jesus is proclaiming that even with all the evil in the world, it is only finite. It is actually God's goodness that is infinite, that is so much greater. St. Thomas Aquinas wrote that goodness is diffusive of itself. Goodness oozes out into reality and gives itself indiscriminately to other beings. Goodness is like the sun and the rain. It just comes out and spreads. Our Father in heaven is so perfectly good that he gives himself so generously. He is perfect. His love has no limits, no end, no parameters, no boundaries. How great is his love. Now we can choose to accept that love or to hide from that love, or even to reject that love. But our Father will not cease giving of himself. He continues to give and lavish himself upon us. When we accept the Father's love, then all of our evil, all of our wickedness, which is real but finite, is swallowed up by the transforming and infinite love of God. Remember what happened to another soldier farther back in time. Remember that centurion at Calvary? All the fury of all the wars in all the earth that would ever be fought were placed upon the tip of that spear. And when he pierced the heart of Jesus with that spear, our Lord did not 
strike back. Instead, Christ's heart was opened and a new reign deluged upon the earth. A new reign of blood and water which touched the very dirt of our existence and which covered the body of that soldier. Touched by that blood, touched by that water, that centurion would later believe and become a son of the Father. Because God's goodness is infinite and so much greater than all the evil of the world. In the aftermath of the Battle of Gettysburg, nurses came from all over the north, even from far away, to tend the wounded after that battle, which was in many ways the turning point of the Civil War. And there was this official account of one woman who came from Philadelphia to a tent hospital. She's brand new there her first day, and she comes upon a Confederate soldier lying in a cot. The, the grass around him has just been just turned into just stinking mud from so many days. He's missing a leg. His face is full of pain. It's also full of shame. And she hears the question, are you willing to wash a rebel prisoner? Yes, she said. I have a son in the Union Army, and I want someone to wash him. She bent down with her towels, her basin of water. She undoes his shirt and begins to wash him. She washes away the dirt. She washes away the dried blood. And people remember seeing tears coming out of her eyes. She tells this Confederate soldier that she feels as if she's washing her own son. And then he begins to cry too. And out loud, he begins to ask God in heaven to bless this woman and be kind to this woman, to take care of her. This person who was his enemy, this person who's supposed to be defeated, this one who's supposed to lose on the other side, he's asking God to bless her in this field hospital. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But what is unusual about that? Be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. Perfect. 